On this week's Graze the Rim, we pull out the crystal ball and predict which middle-of-the-pack Eastern Conference team could have a playoff run similar to last year's Heat. We also cross over into the world of soccer and give our NBA comparison of the Super League that may or may not happen. And as always, we wrap up with Splash or Pass. All that and more, so buckle up. We are back. We are live. Welcome to the Graze the Rim podcast. This is an NBA podcast hosted by two former collegiate teammates. I am one of those teammates, Robbie Thomas, and I'm joined by my better half, the other teammates, a man that I myself watched score literally dozens of points in his collegiate career, Seth Curran. Maybe even in the same game once. Ah, I don't think it carried away. <laughs> Good to have you, Seth. Uh, what have you been up to? How are you doing? Uh, stress at an all-time high. Finals week this week, uh, rough mm. week for me. <laughs> Last one ever, though. Never wow. going back to school. This will be it. Nice. Congratulations. The feeling of that relief will come does in it, the next few days. Does it help help you as you're studying, as you're grinding away, knowing that it's less one? I assume that's got to help, right? Uh, it also kind of does the opposite. Like, I just kind of, you know, don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I hope, I hope yeah. it works out. I hope you don't. What's the saying? It's a... Dual-edged sword, or whatever. Double-edged, Double-edged sword. sword. Yeah, yeah, yes. You yes. know what I mean. I do. It's yeah. that. That's Good. what finals Good are. When, when are the finals? What is the day? Uh, I had one today. This is Tuesday. Ooh, okay. Uh, oh, did you tell the people what day it is? No, I was going to get at that later because it's a... Do you want to do that now? It's a... No, that's okay. Okay, uh, it's I the got, week I of got... April 20th. <laughs> April 20th. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, it's also yeah. Tuesday. April 20th. It is Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Yeah, so I had one today, one tomorrow, one Thursday, and we're done. And that's all she wrote. Wow, okay. Gonna be a fun weekend then, huh? That's right. That is right. <laughs> oh, well, it's my birthday Sunday. It's gonna be even more fun weekend. Oh, jeez. Where does the time go? Okay. Exactly. Good. That's good to hear. I know a few weeks ago, you kind of out of the blue asked me how I was doing, and I was wondering if it was plugging for something else. Like, that you asked me how I was doing, so I would ask you how you're doing. And that was not the case. You were genuinely concerned or curious of how I was doing. Yes. Uh, that was not the case for me when I asked you because I have something I wanted to say. So, Robbie, how you been? <laughs> <laughs> well, Seth, away at Seth, not great. And here's why. <laughs> uh, I, I know you talked about, you mentioned it's finals week. I'm sure you've been you know, studying a lot. That you haven't been able to watch as much NBA as you usually do or as you would like to. And I am kind of in that same camp for different reasons that I'm having – I'm having a hard time watching what I feel is enough NBA, enough basketball. Have yeah. you, Have you? besides this week, I guess, have you had that issue? Yeah, I feel like I need to be consuming at all times. Yes. That's what, so this, <laughs> so last week our podcast release was a little later than normal, like just, you know, later in the afternoon than usually it's kind of midday on Wednesday. Last week it was later it was the, Wednesday. It was the late night episode last week. That's true. But part of the reason why is because I was late editing it because I was binge-watching HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Have you seen it, Seth? No, but I heard it's fantastic. I It is, let me tell you, it might be the best five hours of TV I've ever watched. Okay, was, I, okay, they don't have Russian accents. Is that is that correct? Like they Yes, have, yes. Okay. It is, so it's just, you know, it's an Americanized show, and it's very clearly set in Russia. Like, it's so, so it's, it's Russia, all of the 
like, you know, if they go into, like, a classroom, everything on the board will be written in Russian. If they have, like, something playing over a loudspeaker, it's in Russian. If they have a newspaper, it's in Russian. But they just speak in English. Like, it's like it's, you know, like a Japanese show that they dubbed over. It's like that, gotcha. but it was always written in English. Okay. But it is phenomenal. Great. It's supposedly, it's very historically accurate, too. Like, the, the you know, because, I mean, I'm sure you know, Seth, that what Chernobyl is, that it was a nuclear plant yeah. that blew up and was really bad. But you don't really know, this. like, people don't know the story. The story was awesome, and it's it's a painstakingly accurate story. Like they really tried to be true to the original story. Hmm. But what I do, like I have, I was consumed by it. That this week I watched more YouTube videos, listened to podcasts about nuclear reactors, <laughs> nuclear fuel, nuclear meltdowns, radiation poisoning, atomic bombs. I I I watched more of that than anything else, including the NBA. And then also, just this last two days, Seth, you don't know some of the things that I've watched. I spent hours watching. What's that? Well, first of all, uh, the Jonesboro Open Disc Golf Tournament. You got to okay. tune into that. Is the you know in that tournament? I'm sure you saw it, Seth. The final rounds, the lead group was the top four pl- rated players in the world. Wow! So you know that's exciting. Numbers it's one great showing four, for the Jonestown Disc Golf. Uh, Jonesboro. Yeah, Jonestown. Okay. That's what I heard. <laughs> is it? What's the name of the? Is that the town that? Um, Jim Jones took Yes, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, well, so that, I watched that, and then just this week, as again, I'm sure you're well aware of, the Candidates Cup started started up again, which I don't even have to remind you what that is. Can, can you repeat that? I, I must have heard you wrong. What did you yeah, say? Yeah, the Candidates Cup. The can, have, oh, the Candidates Candidates, Cup. yes, that's right. Which, as you know, I'm, I'm sure you're well aware. I'm yeah, let the people the viewers, know, not me. Is right. the tournament that decides who will challenge for the right to be called the world champion of chess. Oh. So that starts this week. And it's actually, the way they do it is actually kind of dope. That So you have your world champion, and then he just kind of sits and watches this tournament, and they take, like, the next eight rated, the next eight best players, and they play in a tournament to decide who gets the challenge for the right to be the world champion. And then when you have oh. your challenger, they play in, like, this big, it's, like, two weeks long that they're playing chess, or, you know, a ton of chess. But, you know, our the American, Fabiano Caruana, who in 2018 was the first American to challenge for the world championship since Bobby Fischer. He yeah, is, is Bobby Fischer the favorite? I was going to ask, is Bobby Fischer the favorite this year? Uh, he's not. He didn't oh, make the okay. cut on account of he died in 2006. <laughs> ah, but, he's the one guy I've heard of. <laughs> but he is the greatest American chess player of all time. And I think he was the world champion in like 1969. So, in tw- so it was in 69 to 2018 that there was an American in Caruana has a chance to go back. I think he's well in the hunt, so you got to tune into that. That's okay. going on all day. Yeah, I'm you just can saying, find that on on where? YouTube? Uh it's it's YouTube, Twitch. They, they everybody is streaming their own coverage of it because it, no go. one has exclusive rights. But that all goes to say that, that I am consuming a lot of content from all different spectrums and I'm part of me is worried that I'm not watching enough NBA. I was wondering if you had kind of had the same issue or the same concern. I don't think so. I think we okay. consume plenty of basketball, <laughs> an okay, ungodly good, amount, good an unhealthy amount anyway. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Good. Uh, let's move on to pregame notes. And like we said, uh, this is the week of April 20th. Last week, we recorded on 413, which was Mama Day, which is one of mm-hmm. the four yearly <laughs> uh, anniversaries to Kobe or one of the four days of remembrance of Kobe. Well, yeah. That was the day that uh, Kobe played his last game, April 13th. And speaking of news came up about Kobe, that the Kobe Bryant estates did not renew their Nike deal. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, as of today, 
no more Nike Kobe Bryant apparel shoes merch. So going into why, at first I was, you know, very sad about this that if, you know, I've already lost enough things Kobe Bryant in terms of yeah. losing Kobe Bryant. I don't want to lose the Kobe shoes, the Kobe brand. You know, kind of hearing about why they didn't renew the deal, I understood. Did you have you heard the story? No, I I just heard they wanted like a lifelong. Yeah, that was one of the things that that so Vanessa, his wife, Mm -hmm. they wanted a lifelong deal. They weren't offering that, and also part of it's while Kobe was still with us, he had expressed frustrations with Nike about the limited availability of his brand. That that Nike kind of made the Kobe brand and shoes more exclusive than he wanted, and and that that you know the exclusivity was only exacerbated by his death. That. All of a sudden, it's incredibly exclusive, and and kind of in his spirit or in his honor, she felt like they weren't doing him justice or his brand justice, and so she didn't appreciate that. And also, supposedly before Kobe died, and I God, <laughs> I have to keep saying this. While Kobe yeah. was alive, he had wanted to make his own brand, and had supposedly talked about once his deal with Nike was up, starting his own Mamba brand. Ooh. So that might kind of be, you know, in like, I mean, think about it. If in, you're in remembrance to him. Yeah. Like if, if, you know, if you're an investor, all you need is one clip of Kobe saying he wants to start his own Mamba brand and yeah. everybody's on board. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, you know, at first I was disappointed, but hearing about it, I'm, I, I understand why. And I'm hopeful that we do get more Kobe brand. I'm sure we will. I mean, we're going to oh, get I'm more. Sure yeah. Good, I just yeah. hope it's good. Yeah. Uh, but I will, you know, the only thing, the only thing I can think of is you got to think. If the Kobe shoes were hard to get before, good luck getting them <laughs> now. Luck. Now that they're not making it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Be ready to pay. Uh, good. Do you have any Kobe? No. Okay. Well, so so last week's four thirteen. Today is April twentieth. Also four twenty. I whatever <laughs> four twenty. I guess. Do you? I have a, a funny weed NBA story that I just love. So two thousand eight draft NBA draft. Mario Chalmers and Michael Beasley get drafted by the Miami Heat, and they both play, they played at rival schools. Chalmers went to KU, Beasley went to K State, and so I, you know, hearing they drafted the same team, I was always wondering, like, do they? Is there going to be any issue? Like, did they hate each other? Is the does the rivalry carry off the court? That there's you know resentment towards each other, you know, before training camp even started, both of them got in trouble for smoking weed. <laughs> I just love it. It's like, well, I guess there's no issue. Maybe the the weed was the olive branch. Somebody brought a bunch That's of right. weed, and everything was all forgiven. <laughs> My favorite thing is just last year. The reason that Dion Waiters won an NBA championship is because he took an edible on a on a plane, uh, and the Miami Heat cut him right, for it, right. suspended, and then cut him, and ended up signing with the Lakers. Got him a ring. Exactly. Pretty fair trade for me. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, okay, so 420, cool. Um, <laughs> the other pregame notes that we didn't mention last week, it happened like the day after last podcast, Marcus Aldridge, out of the blue, retired. Yeah, sad news. Very sad Yeah, news. pretty crazy. I felt bad because the last thing I said about him was he's terrible. Yeah. You know, that yeah, we yeah. were just ragging on him defensively and then he retires. Yeah, seeing something like that. So it's a, it's an irregular heartbeat is what yes. the concern was. And it's it scared the hell out of him. And wanted to, you know, respect the decision to go spend time with his family. Yeah, um, absolutely. More power uh, to but him. But yeah, it just, it just, you see the news, and you're like, oh, I said some not great things. <laughs> the last thing, yeah, the last <laughs> thing I said, yeah. It is, you know, a great career. Do you think? I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. You know, it, it's it's too more s- of a question than I thought it mm, was. Mm. It's, you know, it's a little closer than I thought. I don't think he is, though. 
we'll see, I guess. Uh, but, you know, great career. Sucks to end it the way it did, but yeah. congratulations. More Enjoy power to kids. him. Fa- exactly. More power family. to him for uh, realizing what's important or whatever. Right. Whatever that soft stuff. Uh, all right. <laughs> Move on. Good pregame notes. Game recaps. Wash that out of your mouth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with uh, Nick's Pelicans. And we like to talk about how Pelicans lose games in incredible fashion. This was definitely one of them. Mm. Uh, the Knicks win overtime, 122 to 112. We get Julius Randle for Zion Williamson. And at the end of this game, the Pelicans decide they just forget basketball, basic basketball concepts. The Knicks are down three. They're inbounding the ball with eight seconds left. Derrick Rose comes off the screen, attacks the paint. Now, the paint is completely open. Reggie Bullock is in the opposite corner. He's guarded by Lonzo. For no reason at all, Lonzo decides to take a step towards the paint as if he's going to contest this Derrick Rose layup when they're up three. Instead, he takes one step off of Bullock. Bullock's open. D-Rose hits him, nails the corner three, sends it to overtime, and they get they just get worked in overtime. But basic basketball yeah, know, IQ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All-time well right there. Didn't, yeah, and the Stan Van Gundy, the coach, said, like, yes. high schoolers could have executed that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's yes. tough. It's tough to hear. Um, but what I find interesting about this is that watching Zion and Julius Randle play, they seem eerily similar to me. Like, Zion's obviously way more athletic. Well, they just, they have a similar body type. That, <laughs> is and they're left. Okay. And they're left. Okay. Uh, but no, with, with Zion playing point guard now, point Zion, they have the ball in their hands a lot more because Julius Randle kind of plays the same role in New York. Um, but like I said, Zion's obviously way more athletic, and Julius Randle's more skilled shooting the ball. But that's not how it started for Julius Randle. Like, he looked a lot like Zion. Well, that's not how it was up until this year for Julius Randle. Like, yes. That's a, as as he didn't start shooting threes consistently, like at a high volume, Julius Randle didn't until last year, which was his sixth NBA season. And now he's hitting him at 41%. And I'm, <laughs> you know, like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, he slowly developed his jumper. His outside game is crisp and smooth now. Like, he's really good with the ball in his hand and not just battling, ramming himself into bodies down low. Uh, like, Julius Randle is the blueprint of what Zion can become. Well, uh, terrifying, because he's already damn near unstoppable at the rim. So, so uh, yeah, I want to caution you that, that Zion's peak is not current Julius Randle. It's that no. you could, Zion no, no, could no. have a skill set similar to what Julius Randle's is. Right. Even though... Right. Not that not that Zion is going to become Julius Randle. Like, he, he has yes. way more potential than yes. that. Even though, I will say, in Julius Randle's defense... Even though he was never a great shooter, he always had a pretty good-looking shot, and Zion yeah. has a serious catapulting going on. Right, but the but form I mean, might but, need to change. But isn't, it's kind of crazy. Like six, it took six years. It's insane. Is this? Are we know. gonna? We haven't given Julius Randle any, any real love on this podcast. Is this the time to do it? Let's do it. Shout him because out. let me start with this. We're not. We're not just looking at an all-star season for Julius Randle. He's most likely going to reach that All NBA third. That's crazy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That I, when we were talking about All Stars way back when it was happening, I made the joke that this is a fluke. Like this is a one off season for Julius Randle, kind of out of nowhere. And yes. then I was, I made the joke. I was confident he'll never be an All Star again. <laughs> yeah. Now he's all. He's probably All NBA. But it's, it's. Do you know what the crazy thing to me is? Is that the Knicks might have won the Kristaps Porzingis trade. It's- just yeah. by getting Porzingis off the roster so they could sign Julius Randle. Yes. Like, they could have – you could make the argument that they could have released Kristaps Porzingis for nothing <laughs> and they would be better off because they got to sign Julius Randle. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. It's sad to say, but yeah. He's that, he's that good. I mean, he's been – yeah, he's been in, in 
credible offensively. It has been sustained all year. He is I, the most improved award is a lot of times pretty dumb. It's like everybody improves. You know, young yeah. players, they develop in the league, and all of a sudden, oh, look at him, most improved. Like, that just doesn't just happen. But from year, what, so he's in year seven right now? Mm-hmm. Year? So, yeah, from yeah. year six to seven to have such an just insane trajectory <laughs> is unprecedented, really. That he's yeah. he's just so dynamically good offensively, and he's got these post-up or face-up post-up skills. He's hitting step-backs. He's it's That's what's crazy to me. He'll, he'll, like, pump fake. One dribble in, step back, three. Yeah. Like, what, where did this come from? Yeah, exactly. No, I watched and, him, and I watched him for years. Too. I watched him for years in the Lakers. I don't know where it came <laughs> from. It, it was not there before. I can say that with confidence. I just remember sitting watching his first game in my dorm room where he broke his, fractured his yeah, leg yeah, like, yeah, yeah. within like 10 minutes of playing. So, what a redemption story. Mm. What else do you got? Do you got another game, Rob? Yeah, my well. Speaking of uh, the Pelicans losing in overtime, the Pelicans lost in overtime to the Wizards. One seventeen, one fifteen was this game. It was a it sucks. It was a great game through and through, overshadowed by an absolute ghost foul by Zion onto Westbrook in the closing seconds of overtime. Mm-hmm. So tie game, Zion on Russ. Russ goes to shoot a pull up. Zion, I guess the aura, his hand got a little too close. <laughs> you know, it was in the bubble of the shooting arm of Russ. The well, speaking of Chernobyl, the uh, radiation meter for Zion's arm would have gone off yeah. that it was a little too close proximity. Not that it touched him; it d- did not <laughs> touch him, but it got too close. You want to be very clear here. Uh, I I do not think it touched him. Definitely didn't alter the shot. But they call the foul. Russ hits free throws. They win the game. Speaking of Russ, crazy stats. So the in this game, the Wizards only made four threes, and Westbrook made two of them. <laughs> including uh, banking one in in overtime. So, good job for that, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I do... So, in the overtime of this game, Brandon... I forgot to look up the stat. Brandon Ingram was good in the game. Again, 35 points. Zion was in foul trouble most of the game, so didn't have as big of a scoring night. But, especially in overtime, it was a lot of ISO for Brandon Ingram, and he did mm-hmm. great. He scored it. But, just looking at the box score... Ingram was 12 of 27 shooting. And think about, like, again, I forgot to look at the stat. How often do you guess Zion was 12 of 27 or that percentage shooting? Like, his percentage numbers have been so much right. better on average and right. oftentimes at less volume. So I just, I would love to see the Pelicans just ride Zion, like, let him shoot more, let him be on the offense yeah. more. And, and like, he, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just said, like, I remember a while ago, we talked about how I think. The Pelicans could trade Brandon Ingram, and you were a little more cautious because Brandon Ingram yeah. brings that mid-range scoring that I, that they don't have without him. But part of the reason Zion doesn't have that is because he doesn't need it. Like his version of right. mid-range is go through the guy, stopping him in <laughs> mid-range, and then shoot a layup, right? So like, let's see him do that 30, 35 times a game. Like, you know, until he has a ten of thirty shooting night. Like, why not just run it? Like, like because so many possessions in overtime was just Zion standing in the dunker spot and Brandon Ingram going ISO. You know, mm-hmm. top of the key. Like, I, I just, they're not getting value out of Zion when Brandon Ingram's on the ball as much as he is. Like he's being held, he's being held back because he can't really develop his game. Yeah. And he's just, and he's just not that, right you know, he's a lob threat, but he's just not that effective mm-hmm. off the ball. Right. He did hit like a little baseline jumper in this game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was, that was int- <laughs> like, that intrigued me. It was I was like, can Julius, I see more of this? Julius Randall esque. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, can I, one, show me more of that. Mm. 
Uh, but yeah, I like what you said about red painting. Yeah. Uh, and one last thing about this game. I was going to say it last week, and I forgot to, but I'm going to bring it up now because it makes you sound smart. The Wizards were in shot of the 10 seed last week, but they've won since then. Yes. They've won five straight, and now they're tied, or maybe they're They were in tied the with Chicago. They were yeah. tied with Chicago for the 10 seed. And I just, so I forget to talk about a lot of things that we either run out of time, or it's not a good time to bring it up. I, a lot of the times I'm wrong, and it would make me sound stupid, so I'm not going to bring those up, but this is one that I had written down, <laughs> so I wanted it to be said. That they are now well and truly in the play-in game race, and I want—I mm-hmm. kind of want to see them in. Yeah, if if they make the play-in game, make the playoffs. Like, could you imagine, like, if they're in as an eight seed, get to play the Sixers, like a just a you know a Russ Embiid? I mean, the Sixers would destroy him, but you know, yeah. the content that would come from it would be great. Yeah, like I said a few t- uh, episodes back, like give me the Brooklyn Wizards four games. Yeah, that would be uh, awesome. Just pissed off Russ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy. Did not see that uh, that coming at all. Okay, kind of like this uh, this last game. Suns beat the Bucks one twenty eight one twenty seven, and it ended. It was an overtime game. It ended with a phantom call, just the same as the Wizards Pelicans game. Now, game was tied. Suns get the ball with twenty three seconds left. Devin Booker's basically just dribbling off the clock, waiting for the last shot, and Drew Holiday is locking him up the entire time. Devin Booker couldn't get where he wanted to get to on the court. Um, and then he forced a really tough fadeaway jumper uh, and got bailed out by a, a call on P.J. Tucker, not even on Drew Holiday. And uh, in, anyway, just ended up hitting one of the free throws, missing the second on purpose. So the time ran out because there was 0.3 left in the clock. But shout out to the Suns for uh, a great bounce back win because we hyped them up big time last week, right? Mm-hmm. Then uh, they went ahead and, lo- and lost to the Spurs, who were on the second night of a back-to-back without DeMar. They got beat 111.85. So thank you for bouncing back. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, and a big win over the Bucks. Sadly, Giannis went down in overtime. Think it was just a cramp. I haven't heard anything since, but that would be a huge blow if that right, were to. Right. Uh, so yeah. And that's all I really had in that game. Just swallow the whistle. All <laughs> yeah, it's it sucks how much of a narrative it's becoming. Yeah, but like I I, I don't know. Maybe it's a a sneaky play from Adam Silver. Like hey. If our officiating is terrible, they'll complain about that and not complain about the schedule. About the schedule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that. Let's talk about a fun ending to a game, uh, one we enjoyed. Mavericks beat the Grizzlies 114-113. And just to sum it up, Luca hit one of the most impressive game-winning shots I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> it was so so from his favorite spot, like mm-hmm. left side, three-point line, he catches it with like 1.8 down two, right? Mm-hmm. Catches it and does like a... Like, awkward step forward through a double team. Like an like, up and under, but, like, from the three-point line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sh- shoots it and runs it in. Like, he just runs under the basket as it's in the air. I love one of my favorite comments about it was everyone expected the Luca step back. They exactly. weren't ready for the Luca step forward. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> that what it was, Yeah, too. yeah. So, at the end of this game, the Grizzlies are up two. Grayson Allen, who had an amazing game. He had 23 points in this game. He gets fouled with two seconds left. Up two. Misses both free throws. And he's like a 90% free throw shooter this year. I mean, you make one of those and the Lucas shot sends it over time. You yeah. make them both, Lucas shot doesn't matter. You miss them. And now we're talking about one of the most impressive game-winning shots I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I and mean, the 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 mythos of Luca, and he wasn't great down the stretch of this game. No. Like he, he missed a few shots. But but anyways, he wasn't great down the stretch, but the shot obviously forgives all that. But it's just, boy, the I mean, he's what? He's third year in his league? And the the list of 
the video compilation of his game mm-hmm. winners is growing a lot faster than players that have been around for more than three years. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. We love Luca. Luca's the guy. Uh, last one I have here. Just last night, the Warriors beat the Sixers, 107-97. And I don't really have much to say other than that Steph Curry is unreal. I mean, just unbelievable. It's, yeah, I... So we we talked, and we wanted to talk more about the Warriors, but we have so much crap we're already talking about that we'll push back. But you, we have to mention Steph, because what he's doing, what he's done over the last few weeks has been absolutely incredible. And it's, I mean, he's become, like, the must-see TV in yeah. NBA. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I wish that every Steph game was on national television, so that you could just you could watch this. Yeah, 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 for sure. I did, so uh, there's a stat that's floating around that I'm sure you've seen, but if you haven't seen it, so this game was the was it fourth in five games for Steph Curry where he made at least ten threes. Oh yeah, in NBA history, Steph Curry has the most games with at least ten made threes. Second most is Clay Thompson with five in a career. Steph Curry has made four in the last five games. Yeah, <laughs> he's had at least ten threes. I mean, just like we are watching what's happening before our eyes is the greatest shooter of all time is having his greatest shooting run of all time. Like, it is historic. Like, historic doesn't do justice to see what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, do you I want mean, to, I guess I can rattle for, off some some stats from the last I few just, I want to say one thing. The, the craziest thing is they played in Philly last night. At the end, he's shooting free throws. He missed one of his last free throws. To, that would have gave him 50. Anyway, Steph's getting MVP chance in Philadelphia. On Joel Embiid's home court. Like, that's got to hurt your MVP case. No <laughs> yeah, matter what. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. But yeah, so that game, 49 points, 10 of 17 from three. The night before, or is it the night before? Uh, no, two nights before at Boston, 47 points, 11 of 19 for three. Then two games before, 42 points on 11 of 16 from three. Then the game before that, 53 points on 10 of 18 from three. It's, I mean, it's video game numbers. It really yeah. is. And I don't, gosh, he, I don't know if he's ever even attempted 23s. I don't think I he's I was just done saying that. Why, why is he not attempting 23s? That's the thing. A game? So he's he shooting. He's shooting. What are what are the stats? He's shooting 43% from three on how many attempts a game? On a lot of attempts a game. And you can take that to the bank. I don't <laughs> have the number in front of me. Where is it? Where's my average? How do I average the table? Do you want me to look it up? Well, I, I'm, I'm at the basketball reference page. Oh. <laughs> It's just uh, da, 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 da. what did I say the percentage was? I'm stalling on twelve attempts a game. Twelve attempts. So so a lot of twelve attempts a game, but it's not. These are twelve insanely difficult attempts. Like he is yeah. not getting open shots. He's getting thirty five footers. He's getting crazy like off one foot fadeaway. Barely have time to get his hands up to get the shot off. It's just it's the degree of difficulty that he's making these shots at and he's shooting an incredible percentage. I would love to see him shoot 20, 25 threes a game. Right. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Like 12 is his career high. That's the highest he's ever attempted for a season. Why oh, is he right not now? taking at least like 15 yeah, over, yeah, se- yeah. over a season? I don't know. I don't know. Especially when if he's not shooting, you got to think who else is shooting for the team. Kelly Oubre, baby. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, well, I guess we'll probably talk more about the Warriors next week. Yeah. But we just need um, to mention. One last thing on this game. Watching Steph and Seth play against each other was awesome. And I started thinking, could a team of NBA brothers win an NBA championship? Would, like, would they be the best team in the NBA? And I, I think yes. I think the answer is yes. Tell me, would this team win an NBA championship? Well, let me, let me, let me guess. Can I guess some of the? Oh yeah, guess you want to guess the starting. So you five? got Steph and Seth. Are they? I don't think they're. I don't think Seth is starting. 
No, he's not. So it's Steph, Drew Holiday, Giannis. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the uh, Brooke Lopez mm-hmm. has one more. Is it? It's not a brother of somebody I've mentioned, right? Started. No. Okay. He's active, actively playing. He, they're all active, yeah. Okay, like okay, the Gasols yeah. don't count. Right, 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 right. Well, it's hard because I mean, like, is Clay Thompson's brother in the league? <laughs> no, no, we're not uh, currently. Okay. How? He's how, hurt right now. He's hurt right now. He's hurt right now. Is is his brother? How how good is his brother? Like the, the uh, lesser he's in a contract brother. year, and he's the older brother, and he is pretty good. He's shooting the ball pretty well this year. <laughs> well, I was thinking big man. I was trying to round out no, my five. He's a guard. This guy is a guard, and the other one is a point guard. Oh, the ball, Lonzo. Yes, <laughs> Lamelo. Okay. Right, right. I was, I was trying to do go positionally. Yeah, you're going Lamelo over Lonzo. I'm going okay. Lamelo. Yes. Okay. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so, uh, sorry. So give me the team. Give okay. The team. So Steph, Drew, Lamelo, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. And, you know, we could go small, kick the Lopez brothers out. It wouldn't be, you know, we'd add, like, the Morris brothers in. But mm. my the next five would be Lonzo, Seth Curry, Justin Holiday, Robin Lopez, and Marcus Morris. Now, I don't know if that's mm. cheating because Markeith would technically right, be, like, right, in right. The, so you would throw, like, Thanasis in there. But, yeah, I, I seriously think that team would win an NBA I think so. I think so. I mean, Steph, Plus, I mean the chemistry. <laughs> the chemistry is off the charts. Yeah. You got, you got Drew, Giannis, and Brooklyn yeah. on the team. I mean the the Curries and the Holidays and the and the uh, Antetokounmpo's would make a run, I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That <laughs> is that is an elite lineup. All right. Good. That's uh, all the games. Let's jump to the main story. So our main story for the week, we are looking at some of the Eastern Conference not so elite. Last year, the Miami Heat, as a five seed, made the improbable run to the finals and looked very comfortable doing it. So there are some teams in the East that are not the three good teams. That is the Nets, the Bucks, and the Sixers. Besides those three teams, which team is most poised to make a Heat-esque, Heat-ish run? Who has the best chance to be this year's Heat? That's what we're asking. So we each pick two teams. We're going to talk about why, also maybe why not, or probably not. Most likely not. Most, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think I am, I'm going to go first with one of my teams. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. To answer this question, I was thinking, what did the Heat, what did last year's Heat do? What did they look like? How did they succeed? How did they do it, right? So looking at that team's Heat, why were they so average in the regular season versus great in the first three rounds of the playoffs? Well, so look at that. So they had a bad away record last year's regular season Heat. That's obviously a non-factor in the bubble. You're not playing away games. It's all Mm -hmm. neutral thing. In the playoffs, they had a really balanced scoring output. Uh, Dragic was a leading scorer in round one. Butler was a leading scorer in round two. And Bam Adebayo was a leading scorer in round three of the conference finals. They So in the regular season, last year's Heats were the third worst team in the league in point differential in the fourth quarter. They were minus 1.2 points in the fourth quarter. They were only the only team in the bottom six of that stat with a winning record. In the first two rounds of the playoffs, they had the best fourth quarter differential. They were four and a half points better in the fourth quarter on average. Almost two points better than the next best team. They had the best clutch rating in the playoffs. Were nine and two in close games, and they were they they won games that maybe they didn't have business winning. Like they were outscored as a whole in the Celtics series, but won four two and won the closeout game by double digits. So it was a convincing win. So that got me thinking. Thinking of those things, who is the next Heat? Who has a roster? 
or has the players built similarly to the old Heat? The current Heat. So my pick is That's this year's pick. Miami Heat, right? <laughs> right. So this is a don't think too hard about a pick for me, this year's Heat. Mm-hmm. They have not looked as good as they did in the bubble in the playoffs, but they didn't look very good last year's regular season. They've had some real injury COVID problems, especially at the beginning of the year. So part of their record might be indicative of that. Yeah. They Another thing that, that might work in their favor is they could be hard to game plan against because they don't know their best five lineup. They don't know what that is yet, so how can other teams game plan against it? But this was a 100% don't overthink it. Let's just pick the Heat because it's mostly the same roster. They surprised me once. They can surprise me again. Miami Heat. I like it. I like it. Okay, my first is uh, the New York Knicks. Yeah. Uh, Two months ago, I would have called myself crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, look at the big three we talked about in the East. Sixers, Nets, Bucks, even the Celtics. Uh, They all have a big three. Not the Knicks. They have a big five, and maybe even a big 15. Uh, before a game against the Nets, a reporter asked Reggie Bullock if he was intimidated playing against the big three, and he responded, no, because we have a big five, referring to the starting five. And Julius Randle said, well, actually, we have a big 15. So it's hard to dispute that fact. Uh, most teams only have a big three, but they have a big 15. That's so tough. That's a good point to start there. Uh, but the Knicks have been a great story all year, especially Julius Randle. We've already talked about that, but... Currently on a six-game win streak, which is their first. They hit five, you know, game win streak, which was their first in seven years. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I mean, seriously, unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. yeah, yeah. Um, but this team has a great. The makings of a great New York style team. Like the fans love and rally around teams that are rough around the edges, filled with misfit players, and like fearless on a nightly basis. I think that's what this team is. And if you're gonna have a team like that, what other coach would you want than Tom Thibodeau? Mm. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want Tom Thibodeau, but <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting to me is rarely in the NBA do you get a group of guys that are 100% bought in to the game plan and stuff. I mean, normally you have a player or two that wants to go rogue, wants to get theirs, you know, but not this team. Uh, this team doesn't have what our coach used to say, uh, energy vampires. Oh, my People God. That, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, they play a beautiful, disgusting we'll, brand we'll, of basketball. We'll describe energy vampires for our less informed players. Oh, what does that know, mean? You they, uh, know, they suck the energy away from the group and make it all about them. Right. And it, it so they don't bring energy and it negatively and they take it away from sucks the, group the energy and, out of yes. everybody else. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, beautiful, disgusting brand of basketball in New York. Mm. They'll bump and bruise you. They'll make okay. a long night for yeah. you. Definitely. Uh, not like the old 90s Knicks. Definitely not like that, but uh, but to a lesser extent. So why can they be the Heat from last year? Well, it starts defensively. They have the size and speed to switch effectively. Now as Noel is a little undersized, but but is a, is a very capable rim protector. I guess we could talk about Juice Randall again, about how great he is. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> but no, he can really kind of do it all offensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you need that in the postseason. I mean, they're gonna, they already play a slow pace. Uh, that's what they're going to do in the playoffs. They they shoot a very high percentage from three, but they don't take a lot of threes, which is kind of weird to me. We'll see if they kind of open that up in the postseason. Uh, but they shoot, they take care of every possession because they know they're not going to get a lot of possessions uh, because they play at such a slow pace. The only thing I'm kind of worried about is what do they look like in the playoffs? These guys don't have playoff experience. Like D Rose has playoff experience, and that's it. You know, like RJ and Julius Randle. Their two best players don't have any playoff experience. So we'll see. But uh, 
it would be it, if they could somehow get into that seventh seed, which I don't think they're not bad enough to do. Which mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to play the Nets, God, I don't care if they win any games. I just want to see that. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned their lack of experience. I think that could work for them because they they they've already so overperformed expectations. They are totally playing with house money. Yeah, they could just be like, "Well, screw it. Let's just keep playing." No one expects us to be here. No one expects anything of us. Let's just go play loose and fast and see what happens. You know what I mean? Right. That's I, a, yeah. And that that's and, the kind of mentality that could be very dangerous that you can make. And a I run. think that's kind of like what the Heat were last year. They they were in the bubble. They had nothing to lose. No fans. Yeah, it was like no one believes. Let's go but play us. basketball. Yeah, no one believes yeah. but us. Yeah, yeah. Good. That's so good. look out for the Knicks. <laughs> that's a good one. My next one is look out for them, but only because I had to pick two teams. And this is the next best available. That's the Boston Celtics. So they just they just uh, lost. I think it was last night or the night before. I think it was it was Monday night. They lost to the Bulls, which snapped a six game win streak. But in that game, they also they had no Kemba Walker, no Marcus Smart. I think no, oh no, um, what's his name? Rob Williams. No, but also but also yeah. him. But he wasn't yeah. what I was thinking of. Evan Fournier. So they're missing a bunch of guys, and Jason Tatum was three of seventeen. And it was still a close game. So, you know, kind of just a, a an off night. A bunch of bad things happening. Before that, six-game win streak. They have started to look more like a real playoff team. During that win streak, all of the bigs have been playing better. And I think especially since they traded Daniel Tice, mm-hmm. the three other bigs, the, the two Williams, have been better. Even Tristan Thompson has been okay. He's been, you know, at times he's been really like so. So Grant Williams has been the new starting five. The, the new starting lineup with Tatum, Brown, Walker, Smart, and Grant Williams, they've been plus six points per hundred possessions, which is good. The four starters plus Tristan Thompson, they've only played 26 minutes together, but they're out, they're plus 28 in 100 possessions. So, so in very short, very short spurts, Tristan Thompson has been better. And, and I think that's going to help a lot because the, the depth, is it's still a huge question mark, but but if they can get more service out of their big men, that'll help them out. Uh, during this win streak, Evan Fournier, who is what's it, an ankle, he's banged up with. I have no idea. I forgot. I had to. I just defaulted to ankle, but uh, lower extremity uh, injury. He has an injury. I'm just gonna look it up because I'm on the Celtics page. Oh, COVID. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Evan, Fournier, injury. <laughs> Evan Fournier, who is out with COVID protocols, he's been shooting over the last month 48% from three. And just him being effective is so important to them because if he's playing well, he's playing like 30 minutes a night. That means they'll eat, they'll have some combination of him, Tatum, and Brown. They'll have two of the three at least on the court at any time in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Which, again, depth is their biggest issue, I think. But over the last month, their turnovers are down. Their assists are up. They're, it seems like they're playing their best basketball of the season now, which is you know what you want out of a team mm-hmm. to make a run in the playoffs, which is why I think they, it's possible they make a run. But at the end of the day, it's it's the star power is, I think, what needs to carry them. Is that they have two all-stars, which most of these guys don't. They need to be great. The question is, can it's their depth? Their depth is terrible. Romeo Lankford, Peyton Pritchard, they're going to be the backup guards. Can they be rotational playoff guards? I don't know. That's a question mark. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. But, you know, everyone tightens their rotation to playoffs. Miami, mm-hmm. like in the finals, they were like six and a half deep. 
Yeah. You don't need good quality minutes out of your, you know, reserve players like you do in the regular season. So they have personnel to be good. Can they be good enough? They haven't proved it. <laughs> That's... But maybe, but maybe. They, I wouldn't have said that for the Heat. That's the whole point. I wouldn't have said the Heat could do it last that's, year. Yeah, they did that's it. why we're here. Yeah. Uh, my other team, I wanted to choose the Hornets so bad. I just, I couldn't justify it. <laughs> okay. And I really wanted to talk about, I have a new favorite player every week. And this week is Miles Bridges. And I didn't even get to talk about him because now I'm not talking about the Hornets. But um, I'm going to talk about the Hawks. That's what I'm going to do. I'm okay. going to pick the Hawks. Yeah. Uh, just because they have a more clear route to playoff success in, in this instance it might be a first round a competitive first round yeah that they don't play one of the so they're the five seed right now are they the yeah four? so they're the four right now but okay. they're a half game up on sixth i mean it's, it's okay. that tight so but, they could anywhere yeah they could end up anywhere who knows uh but if they do get the four five they might be able to make some noise we talked about this back when we decluttered the east that they were finally healthy they're starting to get guys back bogdan bogdanovich healthy daniel gonari is healthy john collins is now healthy but they're still missing deandre hunter and that really hurts. That's he's the most important piece for me because he's that also important two way wing you know, that yeah. can score and defend. Yeah. So they, <laughs> this was three weeks ago. They were talking about getting him back on the court here soon, and we're still kind of waiting to see what's wrong. He had a non surgical mm. knee mm. procedure, yeah. so who knows what that means? But if they can't get him back, so they just ice uh, it. They ice yeah, it. I, like, yeah, what do you know, do? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, I have no idea. All right. Uh, it's, it's not descriptive at all, so I'm mm. <laughs> clueless. But yeah, the beautiful thing about the Hawks is they get good looks, and that is because of Trey Young. If you hate, hate him or you love him, because apparently you can only do one of the two, he demands the defensive attention. And Clint Capella is the perfect partner for him. He's a breaking case of emergency lob threat when Trey has nothing else to do. You know, he's midair, he can toss the ball up to Clint, uh, which Trey needs because sometimes it seems he, he doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah. You know, uh, once he gets towards the hoop. But he draws the defense's attention, and Clint's great at catching lobs. Again, with this team, there's almost no one on here with playoff experience besides Clint Capella. A little, a little Lou Will and Gallo, but uh, not success. What I'm interested to see is when they do get in the playoffs, is are they going to rein back Trey a little bit? Because right now he's kind of hoisting when he damn pleases just objectively not good shots especially on some critical possessions. Yeah, but the, end the flip games. side to that is that they have the best offensive rebounder in basketball, uh, tracking down those missiles off the rim. And Clint Capella is just a fantastic rebounder. Um, and some of his, his buckets are coming because he's t- Trey's taking such quick shots and uh, Clint's able to get great possession down low or position down low. Uh, so I'm interested to see if they, if, if Nate McMillan's like, we got to value more possessions more. Um, but that's kind of what makes Trey great is, playing free so we'll see um but if they can get like deandre hunter cam reddish chris dunn are all still out i think chris dunn's kind of valuable as well because you have trey playing point guard and you have lou will as your backup two guys that have no business or no interest in playing defense whatsoever and chris dunn is the exact opposite of that he's just a guard that'll get up in your face uh and without that balance it's going to be tough for the hawks right and then i think cam reddish is a huge question mark because He's been downright unplayable sometimes because he's such a streaky shooter. Um, but he's another guy that's long, can defend the wing, and attacks the hoop, especially in transition. And mostly I'm just worried about their defensive uh, inability and also their dependence on getting the free throw line, especially Trey. He lives there. 
coaches have kind of been outspoken about it. So we'll see if, you know, they let teams get a little more physical in the playoffs as well. I think right. so. The Hawks are uh, uh, not likely to make a run, but God, wouldn't it be a great story if they did? <laughs> that would be fun. I thought you were going to talk about the Hornets, so I didn't prepare any Hawks notes. But yeah, I thought I was agree. Talk about the Hornets too. I agree <laughs> with all the things you said. Thank you. Those are. Did you want to talk about Miles Bridges also? Uh, he's really good at dunking. <laughs> I love the Hornets commentator. That's it. That's all I got. All right, okay. we need to move on. So, next segment. We have our ear to the pulse of all sports, not just basketball. And there's shocking news making ripples all the way across the pond. International soccer in Europe. The rich coalition of European teams have formed what they call a Super League. Three countries, the biggest, most successful teams from those countries' leagues, have formed their own exclusive league. Um, There's really nothing like this in American professional sports. I think a good comparison is like if... You know, the most prestigious, like, college football schools oh, yeah. all got together and, like, forsook the NCAA and said, we're going to do our own thing. But even more so because, like, the, the powerful soccer teams, they can just buy the best players. So it's like, you know, like, you know, Alabama, Clemson, and Oregon, USC, they're all like, we're going to make our own league. And they're still going to get all the best recruits, like, in this scenario. Because they also buy players. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, that actually works. <laughs> um, So... Interestingly enough, today, the it seems like it's falling apart, the Super League, that there's been universal backlash. They have been threatened from all different forms of everybody else that has any authority in soccer is boycotting this, basically. People are pissed. Yes. Um, some teams are waning or dropping out. Even so, this is a very interesting concept. And so we wanted to do something like this for the NBA. Uh, and not just make our own Super League of the 12 best teams, the 12 biggest markets, but we wanted to find a team that correlates with the 12 Super League teams, a little uh, like a player comp from the NBA draft, do our own version of that with the 12 teams in the Super League. So if you're not familiar with uh, international soccer, we made a little spark notes for each of these teams, and yes. we are going to, we decided we're going to draft our own player comps just so that, so we each came up with our own comps, and you pick a team, an international team, and then you give your reason why this NBA team is like that. And once you pick that team, that team is off the board. So right. there's going to be some scrambling. We're going to see how this goes. We're going to have fun with it is the concept yes. as you try yes. to do it. So, um, Super League, stupid name, first of all. What do you got? Do you got a better one? I don't have anything better, but I feel oh. like you could have workshopped that a little okay, bit. Like okay. that's lazy. Maybe think tank it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's – well, the Champions League is kind of who they're trying to muscle out. That's true. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but we're going to do this. We're going to do what we did. So I get to go first because I decided I'm going first. And so I want to shout out, I want to shout out to my good friend that helped me do this, helped me come up with the spark notes versions for these teams. Uh, my friend Luke, who of my friends that aren't you, he is the most, the biggest NBA fan out of my oh, friends. Sweet. And he does not listen to this podcast at all. I can't, I couldn't listen. So he has to That's listen now. <laughs> he has to listen now because I'm shutting him out and I told him I would. So in honor of Luke, my first pick, his favorite team is Arsenal. And Arsenal are a team, they've always been historically relevant. They're based out of England. Always been historically relevant, never historically great. They are still today living off the success and prestige of their record-breaking 2006 year in which they had the only season in Premier League history where they went undefeated. They didn't lose a game. 
their the clout, the aura of Arsenal outweighs their actual success, especially lately. They don't have a lot of money for transfers, but they have a very strong fan base. A pretty average team. They might be the worst team in the Super League. And they all, all this will come from a big market. They're based out of London. They're probably the biggest team in London. So having said that, this has to be the New York Knicks. Thank you. Arsenal is the New York. Is that who you had? Is yes. that who you said? Okay, <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. So the thing that stuck out to me, uh, their clout outweighs their success. The Knicks <laughs> are just this, supposed to be this big brand, but they don't actually have that much success. And their fan base is very rabid, very faithful, and has much higher expectations than the performance that the players mm-hmm. deliver. That is New York Knicks. And I guess not counting this year where the Knicks are surprisingly good. Right. We're still right. waiting for that from Arsenal to be actually good. <laughs> but this is the New York Knicks. That's my first pick. Okay. I'm going Chelsea here, Rob. Okay. Tell the people about Chelsea. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so Chelsea, they are also based – I think they're based out of London too. They are mm-hmm. based out of London, an English team. They historically, unlike Arsenal, have been pretty irrelevant. But in 2003, they were bought by a billionaire Russian. He So since then, they have been much better. They just spend more money on players. They've been good, but not incredible since then. But as of late, or not as of late, kind of since then, they have gotten these big, flamboyant, famous managers who oftentimes the managers are the most famous player on the team. That they're more bigger names, bigger personalities than the players themselves. So who do you have for Chelsea? Okay, so... When I read that, I thought it said they purchased player who, players who have bigger names, personalities. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, uh, the, the thing that stuck out to me here, pretty irrelevant. Something changed in 2003. They have won one time. All of those things are the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, wow. Okay. So 2003, that's good. That's good. That's yeah, right. Yeah. 2003, LeBron's <laughs> draft class. Changed, he yeah, is yeah. the owner that has yeah. bought them. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I was thinking of players had had big personalities. Oh, okay. Um, and that maybe like, that is a lot. Jr. You know, <laughs> and, and Kyrie. Yeah. That's a good one. I didn't. I didn't have Cleveland here at all. My Chelsea team was the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, because okay. I thought so. Bought by a rich owner. Yeah. 2003. Yeah. And then I was thinking that that like not the players the. The front office or the owners are more known for their personalities than the players mm-hmm. themselves. And I was like, well, that's the Mavericks. Plus, you said the one championship. They haven't been relevant until they were bought by the new owner. Mm-hmm. That was, but I, liked, I like Cleveland. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> the 2003 really popped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Okay. So, I am next. And I, I only had one that I needed to get in. So, after that, I am all over the place. I'm going to go... Uh, all right. I'm going to stick in England. I'm going to stick in England. And I'm going to go Manchester United. Okay. Manchester United, the most storied team in England, maybe in all of the world. They're one of the most legendary teams. Uh, they haven't had as much international success in the Champions League than Liverpool, who's been their big rival historically. But they've had more success in England. But despite that, they have a huge trophy case. They've always been pretty good. They haven't been great in almost a decade since their legendary coach retired. And what stuck out to me for this is that they are a historic team that you cannot tell the history of international soccer without them they have a place in history but they haven't been great in a while since they lost their manager or my idea was since they lost one guy and that's the chicago bulls <laughs> yeah that's my pick okay yeah yep. good good so that again for the same exact reasons too <laughs> good plus the red it's easy it's an easy yeah. connection that's right all right okay let's see here let's go with um who you just did man you yeah 
I will do uh, AC Milan. Oh, okay. This is one of my favorite teams. So okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, so I'm doing descriptions, yeah. So AC Milan is historically one of the all-time great teams. They have the second most, I think it is. Yes, second most Champions League titles of all time. Second most international titles of all time. But really poor ownership decisions. The owners made terrible financial decisions around 2010. They had to sell a bunch of their players just to balance the budget. They haven't been very good at all since. And okay. this year is kind of the outlier that they're maybe kind of creeping back up, but they're still nowhere near their what their legendary status says they should be. AC Milan is the San Antonio Spurs. Ooh, okay. Historically great. Yeah. Uh, last few years have been a little iffy. The uh, ex- the paying Tim Duncan and, and Tony Parker later in their careers not great decisions, um, but kind of creeping back into contention. They missed the playoffs yeah. last year for the yeah. first time in my lifetime. And uh look like they might have a chance to get back in this year. That's that's good. I <laughs> it's funny, I have the Spurs somewhere else, but I can flip flop them with the team. I that think I, I know which that team I have. It is. So the team that I have, I had for AC Milan. I was focusing on a historically great, one of the greats, mm-hmm. but really poor ownership about ten years ago. And I stopped there because that's the Philadelphia 76. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. The famous bad management. And then the Sixers have creeped back up into relevance since then. But like they, yeah, 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 they were, they're one of the classic great teams. Bad, like I just think of bad ownership 10 mm. years ago. That's, <laughs> that's the okay. All right. But Spurs is good. Spurs is good. I will. Hmm. Where do we want to go? Where do we want to go? All right. I'll take, I'll take the easy one. I'll take the low hanging fruit. Is it uh, Real Madrid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, historically great team. They are the winningest uh, club. They have the most Champions League titles in history. They are, are the glamour team kind of in soccer. Like, they, their most famous jersey is white jerseys. Like, they have a monop- – like, when you think of a soccer team with white jerseys, you think of Real Madrid. Like, they have a monop- – think about it. They have a monopoly on white, on the color white. They're always great. They're never not really good. And they just go out and buy players. Like, they don't – they're not famous for like developing players. They just have a fat checkbook. Yeah. So it's the glamour team. It's it's the Lakers. Yep. Purple and gold. Again, they have I mean, the, there's a team in the NBA that has gold in their name, and the Lakers are more famous for wearing gold. They're the <laughs> glamour team. Everyone again, they don't they're not famous for even though they do it, they're famous for being a free agent destination. They're not famous for drafting and developing players. Just like Madrid. And also the the history is there too. I'll go with uh, the other Spain, Spanish team. I'll go with Barcelona. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Barcelona is the big rivals to Real Madrid. Historically, they they are also great historically. Not as good. Not as much international success, but more success in Spain. In the last 20 years, they've kind of had the better of the rivalry of Real. And they are more historically famous for developing players that they have the most famous like youth system in the world. They are take pride in that, but recently they buy players just as much, if not more, than Real Madrid does. Yeah, for this I had the Miami Heat. And that is because of their their label as developing all this talent. That is that is part of the Miami Heat culture. Right. Developing developing talent. But in reality, they spend just as much buying <laughs> buying players as That's well. Good. I mean yeah, yeah. you know and then just having a lot of success as well, especially the last 20 years. Talk mm. about uh, the big three era and now the last finals run. 
That's what that's what came that's to good. Mind, that's good. I that that probably fits better than mine. I couldn't get past the giant. Right? I mean, they these guys play in it's called El Clasico is when they yeah. play a game. So I just picked the Celtics. That they're also historically great, and they kind of pride themselves on they draft their good players. They're not a free agent mm-hmm. destination. So that was I mean nothing else. I was like, well, if if the Lakers are Real Madrid, Barcelona has to be the Celtics. So that's why I picked right. them. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. All right, I will. Um. Oh, this one will be interesting because this one was really hard for me to pick a team. So I'm curious where you landed. I'm gonna go Juventus. Okay, based yes, out of Italy. I, yeah. Yep. This one was the hardest one for me. I don't know about you. Same here. Okay. Um. So Juventus is an historically really good club. They have the most second place finishes in Champions League history, while only winning twice. So they've been to the finals a lot, haven't won it a lot. Meanwhile, in domestically, they are much more successful. They have the most championship titles in Italy, and they have Ronaldo this year. I don't know why that's relevant, but they currently have Ronaldo. That's cool. So for me, all I could think of was always the bridesmaid, never the bride. The most finals appearances without a championship is the Phoenix Suns. So I picked the Phoenix Suns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was it. That's all I got. And the Juventus is good now. The Suns are good now. So that, yeah, that was, that, it. That that was it for me. Yeah, uh, Ronaldo is Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. Good, too. Good. That was totally Uh, what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I had the Houston Rockets. Mm. A a couple wins back in the 90s without Jordan. And then the international or the domestic success. I was thinking of making the the conference finals, you know, lately. Okay, yeah. Um, But yeah, never never really reaching the pinnacle or being Mm -hmm. the top team in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I like the Phoenix Suns one. Okay, let me do... Uh, Tottenham. Okay, <laughs> yeah, Tottenham Hotspur. So they are the they are the crosstown London rival of Arsenal, and they are historically the little brother to Arsenal. However, in the last five years, they've definitely been better. They have had more success domestic and internationally. They made their first Champions League final in 2019, and of all of the Super League teams, they probably have the least history, so the less the least uh, prestigious. But they are. On the up and up now. So, so who, for this, yeah. I so I kind of focused on the last five years with their success, kind of reaching their the best they've ever been lately. It actually corresponds with this year now that I'm looking at it. Uh, and, and then the lack of history, the Toronto Raptors Ooh, uh, made, okay. win their first title in 2019. Yeah. That, um, but if, if New York, if the Knicks or Arsenal right across the river into Canada <laughs> is, is Toronto. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I so I went the other way across, and I went yeah. literally across town and picked the Nets <laughs> for a lot of the same reason that the Nets are historically the other mm-hmm. New York team, but they are much better now, and they are they're better than Tottenham is now. But right, you know, in the last five years they have been the better. So recently they've been the better team, just like recently Tottenham's been the better London team. All right, Raptors. I don't think I had the Raptors anywhere. I saw historically okay. irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. Uh, I will go next. Okay. I'll go. This will be fun. I'll go uh, Inter Milan. Mm, okay. So the third Italy team, they are historically, they're the other Milan because they are crosstown rivals with AC Milan. Not quite as, as dramatic as some of these other rivalries. They're much more neck and neck. A lot of times they're called twin brothers. They play in the same stadium, interestingly enough. And I think ta- I think Inter is building a different stadium, but um, so they are not quite as much of a little brother as some of these other teams. 
even though the last 15 years, they have been better internationally and domestically than their crosstown rival. So for this, I was thinking of a not a super historically relevant, super big market team, but that's been good lately. And since I picked the Sixers for AC Milan, I picked the Bucks for Inter Milan. Oh, that is a yeah. They're a close team. They're rivals. They play a lot. And just recently, they have kind of overshadowed their bigger brother and had more success. I I so I started thinking of little brother that has actually been better lately. I yeah. went with the Nets on this one just okay, because. Right. Uh, like they're the overshadowed by the glamour of the Knicks, but are better right now. Mm, yeah, that's why I went with that one. That's good. Uh, let's do uh, let's do Man City. Okay. <laughs> I keep forgetting it's me. That's Man City. <laughs> this is my this is my favorite team. They are so Man City is really historically irrelevant. And they are the little brothers of Manchester United. And of the brothers that we were talking about, these are the littlest of brothers. That they have had the least success and been the most overshadowed by Manchester United, their cross and rivals. So they, again, so they were basically, I think they, in over 100 years, they'd won the English championship once. In 2008, they were bought by Saudi oil baron billionaires. Sheiks, isn't that what they're called? Yes. Uh, since then, I think. They just bought all the good players, spent an exorbitant amount of money on players and facilities. Since then, they have been the best team in England over since 2008. Very successful. They haven't had European success. They haven't made a final, a Champions League final. But the last three or four years, they have been one of, if not the favorites, going into it every year. This team is the Golden State Warriors. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, especially with the, I think of all the buying all the good players. First of all, the Kevin Durant thing, mm-hmm. and then once that team was formed, the people that are coming to ring chase, uh, so they get all they get some some better players yep. that way. Yeah. Uh, but but again, the historical irrelevance overshadowed by Big Brother just down the coast, the Lakers. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. That was what I had. That was an easy one for me. Yes. Was the Warriors. Same. Okay. Cool. All right. How many? I think we just have one more each, right? Yeah. All right, which one do I want to do? I'll do. I'll do Atletico Madrid. Okay. The the last Spanish team, they are again. There's the other team. There have been the other Manchester, the other Milan. This is the other Madrid team for sure. They now they can be scrappy. They've had some success. They have made a Champions League final, but they are perennially living in the shadow of Real Madrid. I mean, they're the third best team in Spain, but it's by a margin. It's Real, Barca, and then a gap, a gap, and then Atletico Madrid. They, this is what, apparently they are not the real Madrid, is what my friend mm, told me. Okay, yeah, Real, yeah. Not the Real Madrid. The fake Madrid. That's right, that's right. So, <laughs> I again, didn't overthink this. If the Lakers are Real, the Clippers are Atletico. Yep. That's, that's Easy as far as we did. There. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh. When they are scrappy, the Clippers can be scrappy, especially lately. What's the, uh, the uh, streetlights instead of. Bright lights or whatever their little tag was. Do you remember that? No, not the at all. Start of the start of last year, the the so the Clippers. Yeah. No. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> that was like their. <laughs> That's we're it. Not the, oh. We're not the glitz and glamour of the Lakers. We're scrappy and. Right. Know. Nice. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, Liverpool is the last one. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so Liverpool is. They are the probably the second most storied team in England. Historically, they have been really good. They have the fourth most Champions League final appearances. 
And over that time, they have been good internationally and domestically. From about, I think it was 2005, they won a Champions League final. And in like 2001, they won the Premier League Championship. But for the next like fifth, for the next ten or fifteen years, they have had a huge drought where they weren't very good in either. Within the last three years, they had a new manager, Jurgen Klopp, who really brought them back to success in both Europe and domestic. So, who is your Liverpool? After Jurgen Klopp left Borussia Dortmund, yes, right? correct, yes, yeah. Uh, they're the Boston Celtics. Ooh, this is okay. the historically really good. I, I think the, the new manager, Brad Stevens, coming in. Uh, kind of revamping mm-hmm. the the young guys in uh, in Boston, but just always always solid. They had a little bit of a drought where uh, before the big three came, where fans were wearing bags over their heads. But uh, other, than, <laughs> yeah. other than that, have just been pretty solid. And what do you say? The second most, uh, fourth most, fourth most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I I was back and forth. I almost picked the the spurs for this mm, okay just because i didn't have a spot for the spurs and they're you know part feel like of they had history. to be on there exactly yeah. I, I picked the heats for this oh, and okay. for me jimmy butler was my guy that brought them back to relevance that <laughs> <laughs> they've been especially in the last like you know 30 years they've been a historically good team a lot of appearances the drought some guy comes in changes everything jimmy butler i also i also think i was gonna switch to the sixers here because i think the sixers work for this too that they're historically good Big mm-hmm. drought. Maybe so we just Doc? flipped our Yeah. We just we flipped our Celtics heat. Is that what it was? Yes. Barcelona and Liverpool? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Nice. Good good uh this is fun. This is a yeah, well, this, I enjoyed I did it, enjoy it. It was that. a good time, yeah, yeah. All right. Make your own list, I guess, huh? We just yeah, we picked the, the twelve founding teams. You can tweet us at Grace the Rim who the best comps are. Who's who's a team more like one of these teams if we messed up? All right, so we're going to move on. The closing segment that we do every episode, Splash or Pass. So every week we take some news, some gossip, some segments that maybe aren't big enough to talk about as a main story. And we talk about it here, but we give our twist on it if we like it, if we don't like it, and why. And every time for Splash or Pass, instead of just saying we splash or pass something, as in we like it or don't like it, we, we put a twist based on whatever we're talking about for our criteria. So this week... In honor of soccer that we're talking about, mm-hmm. we decided that you came up with a great idea, Seth, was um, as a member of the Brooklyn Nets, how successful is the MLS team that you are a part owner of? Yes. So for Splash, are you James Harden, who's a part owner of the two-time MLS champ Houston Dynamo? Or for Pass, are you Kevin Durant, who is a part owner of the Philadelphia Union, who I think you said haven't even made a final? Is that what you said? Yes. Yes. All right, good. And also, shout out to Steve Nash, who owns the Vancouver Whitecaps, and they're bad too. But Lots of soccer in Brooklyn. Focus on Harden, KD. So, splash on Harden, pass on KD, and you're up first. I am splashing. I am James Harden on Eric Collins. And, Robbie, you brought this up earlier when I talked about the Hornets. This is the commentator <laughs> okay. for the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. And uh, I, think, I think he needs a shout out because... A lot of people just get to watch the ESPN or TNT or like whatever their home broadcast is, and you miss out on some of the best broadcasters um, that do that are the home for other team for other teams. And he brings the energy every single night. <laughs> he's got to have the highest blood pressure, I swear. He and I can imagine off season he's just not allowed to talk mm. because he is screaming the <laughs> entire game. Uh, his his famous hum diddly d is what he yells yeah. uh, on a big dunk, like the Gordon Hayward over De'Aaron Fox. 
when LaMelo dunked on Sabonis, and then again with the greatest dunk of the year, when Miles Bridges dunked on Clint Capella. He just yells, hum diddly D and just freaks out. Oh my goodness. That's what he yells. It's, uh, he's fantastic. Yeah. So I, entertaining. I, I think, do you know who I bet loves the social distancing that they do? You know, the Corona is, <laughs> is still Curry, the color commentator. Yes. Because he gets a little more distance, doesn't have this guy screaming in his ear all game long. <laughs> Get a glass panel in between him. Get some distance. to <laughs> blow up my eardrum. That's good. We should have, what, what was his name? Eric Collins. Eric Collins. We did shout out his name. Good. Yeah. That's a good one. So I am, for mine, I am James Harden. I'm splashing on drama because you know what drama does, Seth? Drama sells. Yes. So ESPN, they get some criticism for being like kind of sensationalist sports media. You know, they focus more on big stores, big names, and kind of, you know, the more quote unquote, the hardcore fans. They don't like getting their, their news from ESPN because they just focus on the, the more profitable of things to sell, right? Well... Brian Windhorst is an ESPN NBA analyst, and I've always liked him because I think he's very counter sensationalist ESPN. He's like very kind of deadpan emotionalist, like just here's what's happening, here's the facts, here's why you should care about it in his NBA journalism. So I always liked that, but boy, did we get ESPN drama from the least dramatic person at ESPN. So on his podcast, The Hoop Collective, he had his two usual guests who are Tim McMahon and Tim Bonteps, and they are both, what are the ESPN NBA insiders, is that what mm-hmm. they call them? Whatever. They're both ESPN NBA guys. And so Tim McMahon is kind of like the edgy dad of the group. Like he's very kind of bombastic and kind of pokes ribs at the other guys a lot. The other guy is kind of like the nerd of the group is Tim Bonteps, mm-hmm. who is, <laughs> you know, is that, isn't that fair to say? Yes, that he, that he is, you know... Kind of a little more soft-spoken, just here's the facts, you know, he takes his jabs from the other guy. So this last week, and so so Tim Bontemps also does a straw poll twice a year to see how the MVP vote is, is trending. And what he does is he takes very, he's very careful about making sure that it is accurate to how the real MVP voting is, where he gets a similar number of voters from similar markets, similar internationally. Like, he takes a lot of care to make this very indicative of what he thinks the real thing will be. So... Uh, Windhorst, they talked about this in the last podcast, and Windhorst was very upset, Brian Windhorst was, with the results of this vote, that Nikola Jokic was an overwhelming pick for the MVP. I think it was like 95-5 to five in favor of him versus Embiid. And Brian Windhorst, I think I think f- at least four times he used the phrase, I am upset with my media brethren. Like He said the word brethren a lot because he felt like Embiid was the MVP and was upset that it was so one-sided this vote was. His, and his logic was was very frustrating because he he kept saying, like Jokic is like when when they said like well you don't think Jokic should be MVP he's like no 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 I do he's deserve, I'm never going to say a bad word about Jokic, but then he would go on to say well here's why Embiid should be MVP it's like well if <laughs> if Embiid's going to be MVP it means Jokic isn't so you have to say bad things about one in order to get you know what I mean so that okay. was weird, and and also he was he was mad that it was so overwhelming. That it was ninety-five to five, like he thought it should be closer, but it's like that's not how the vote works. It's not that like ninety. Then it was a blowout in that they thought he was way more deserving of MVP. It was just ninety-five people could have thought it was thought a close was. race, but you, you know what I mean. Yeah. So that was, but but the other two, the point is the other two guys, Tim Bontemps to McMahon, they weren't having it. They were both Jokic guys, and they were arg- kind of. It was debating, but it was arguing, especially. The usually calm, cool, collected Tim Bontemps. 
he raised his voice substantially on this G-rated podcast called Brad Windhorse a Jackass and said he was accused Windhorse of calling him a goddamn idiot. He said, you, know, you think we're goddamn idiots. What was great about this was this episode started with kind of friendly banter or, you know, debating and just turned into full-blown arguing that that uh, Tim Bondebs definitely took it personally that his his pole was being attacked by Windhorse. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny was the the usually loud and obnoxious Tim McMahon, the third guy, was the voice of reason, like trying to rein everybody in. That it was great, very sensational, very loud media. And kind of my favorite part was they, they did this at the beginning and then they transitioned into talking about Lamarcus Aldridge retiring. And the <laughs> the tone of that was hilarious because the mood was still very tense. They tried to be professional, but it was like like you know, like you're in school and you, your class does something stupid, so like the principal comes in and yells at you for ten minutes, and then the teacher tries to like, all right, back to math, and you're like, you know, like it's still very awkward tension. You know what I mean? That was yeah. what this the last part of this podcast was. But I'll tell you, it worked out because Brian Windhorse was trending on Twitter. The name Windhorse was trending. And Windhorse got a like a top page in NBA Reddit that he hadn't gotten basically all year. So this very hilarious drama from normally very melancholy people, which, by the way, I would recommend listening to it if you like. I thought it would be like awkward, but it was really funny to listen to. I really enjoyed it. I like the drama and the drama sells. So I was thinking, Seth, we need to come up with some something stupid to argue about that we can yes. raise our voices. We get into it a won't bit. let it go. Exactly. While we're here, actually, what do you think about... Because the big argument was against Embiid was that he's missed too much time with injury. What, like, what do you think? What do you land on that? Like, like how much game are you it, allowed to? I think miss? it mat. I think it matters. Uh, and just the fact that Jokic has been dominant. Like, the, if there wasn't another uh, excellent choice to win MVP, like if it was just Embiid dominating, and no one else is really that impressive, I, I think Embiid would still have a chance. I don't think he can miss too many more games, but I. I Jokic is the MVP. The dude is incredible. Yeah, that, that's the thing. He's such a deserving candidate. And the fact that the biggest knock against Embiid is he's missed like a, a third of the season. Yeah. And Jokic has played every game. Like, right. like yeah. you know what I mean? That's his biggest strength is Embiid's biggest weakness, which, which like you said, Matt. Okay, I am James Harden on Kevin O'Connor. And Kevin O'Connor is an excellent basketball mind. He works for The Ringer. Uh, I really love his work. He's a great follow on Twitter, too. Uh, but he does this, he highlights a player each week, and he, it's called The Void. He highlighted uh, Alexei Pukashevsky this week, and I thank him for this. Uh, the one and only Pukashev. So he raved about his potential. And for those of you who haven't been following the Thunder, because why would you? He's averaging 12 points, 6 boards, and 3 assists since his G League call-up. Uh, the Pokemon. He's evolved <laughs> from the po- from the Pukashev. He's the big dripper now. And this is because he wears a fanny pack to every game. The big dripper. That's the Plus only reason Pukashevsky. why. Yeah. And uh, our uh, Twitter headline or whatever that the picture's called. That's not your Twitter picture. Banner? Background? Yeah, that thing. It's also a picture of him swagging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. All right. So that's all I have. Uh, thanks for pointing out our I thought I thought you would be a little upset that he didn't credit you. Oh, yeah, we've yeah. been on the story for months. I've been raving about his potential for months. Yeah, you have. All right. And my he, He's arrived. <laughs> now he's arrived he's here no he's, he's arrived still... yeah let's just say now he's oh, already now. arrived <laughs> or he's is he still arriving or is he's already yes. here okay all right well my last one i am splashing i am james harden on uh draymond green living rent-free in my head 
because I <laughs> cannot stop talking about this guy. Actually, I have two sub sub splasher passes within the the bubble of Draymond Green. All right. So first, I'm going to pass on the clutch badge because you know in NBA 2K you get badges based on your abilities, talents, your skills. Uh, I'm sure that over the years Draymond has had a lot of badges attributed to his name, but the clutch badge ain't one of them. And it is not one that he has this year for sure. So, in the Celtics-Warriors overtime game, which was a great game, incredible performances for Steph and Tatum. I think it was like 45 and 47 points that they have. Was it overtime? It wasn't overtime. Did I say overtime? Why did they write overtime? Yeah. I don't think it was overtime. I don't was think it was. Overtime? In the Cel- okay, my notes are bad. In the Celtics-Warriors game. But anyway, so Tatum-Curry, they both had great games. Draymond, meanwhile, in 37 minutes of play, uh, had five points on six shots. So he attempted six shots in this game. With 48 seconds left, down two, the Warriors take a full timeout. They go over something, advance the ball, get the ball at half court. So Draymond sets a screen, goes and catches the inbounds pass, and then fakes a handoff, drives in, misses a layup with 22 seconds left in the shot clock. So why did he decide now was the time that he wanted to start shooting the ball? Attempted six shots all game, 37 minutes. Why Why now? He So he was never a scorer in his prime. He's less athletic in his prime. He's shooting worse from the field. He's shooting like 22% from three. And this is all despite his team needing more offense this year. You have Steph Curry on your team. And now, at this moment in time, is when you decide, you, now's when I'm going to start pulling. Now's when I need to get my shot off. <laughs> and just so they, they went on to lose the game. This is a critical moment in the game. So, Seth, I got a stat for you. So the Warriors are twenty-eight and twenty-nine this year, and so and they are twelve and three when Draymond scores X amount of points. What do you think the point number is when Draymond scores this many points? The Warriors are winning seventy-five percent of their games. Six, close eight. Ooh, eight oh, that points. was my original. Nah, I my mind. <laughs> so when he scores at least he has to score at least eight points for them to be, you know, according to win loss to be better, and he can't do it. He's done it fifteen. <laughs> He is, he's averaging he's averaging six points a game. He scored five points in this game. There have been 30 games this year where he's played at least 30 minutes, and he is averaging six points. So that's one of the things I am uh, splash passing with Draymond. My other one is I am splashing on – I'm James Harden. Wait, that's James yes. Harden for pass? I am whatever. No, 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 you're good. I'm Kevin Durant. I was Kevin Durant. I was passing on clutch badge. Now I'm splashing on nailing the post-game interview. So Draymond Green has always had choice words that people like to hear after a game. That might be what he's doing better than playing basketball at the moment. And and one thing about Draymond, he loves to bring up the rings argument when people argue his legacy. He loves to do it with Charles Barkley because Charles doesn't have any, even though he is an exponentially better basketball player. Charles Barkley is. But that's validated for him is the rings. And after this game, Draymond praised Jason Tatum for how good he was. Because he had, incredible, like I think, 45 points, like I said. Praised Jason Tatum for having a great game. But he joked that his sub was better. Because I, I don't know if you've seen some yeah, subway, subway commercial commercials. where yeah. Draymond and Jason Tatum were kind of back and forth, but his sub is better. And, of course, sidebar, of course, in that commercial, Draymond says he has more rings. Like, again, just bring up the ring. And I would have loved in that commercial, thinking about when, when Draymond says... My sub has more rings. Like, what if Jason Tatum came back with, yeah, my sub's not the fourth best player on my team. Something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and, and this, this, you know, response is beloved by everybody. And it's, 
another thing that it annoyed me that Draymond came off at this interview like, like, well, what a duel between me and Jason Tatum. Like, uh, he got the better of me with scoring, but we won the game. Or, you know, like, like, like he, he phrased this like it was just in the classic battle between him and Jason Tatum. Like, Jason Tatum didn't score nine times as many points as you did. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But regardless of all that, he can still control a post-game story. Draymond Green can. He gets out ahead of it. That's that's uh, <laughs> damage control. We need him for it. Yeah, we do. Okay, my last one here. I am James Harden on NBA Twitter, and buckle up. This one's gonna be a, this one's gonna be rough. Okay, NBA Twitter. We know this is a cesspool, sure, uh, but it's a magical one, and you don't know what you'll find. And NBA is filled with drama, just like NBA Twitter. But the weirdest story of the year might have happened last night. Um, involving a Lakers Twitter personality named Vivian. Robbie, are you are you you have any idea what I'm talking no, about? No, not even a little bit. No. Okay. So this Twitter person named Vivian, she's been tweeting about the Lakers for years. Um, but people are just now starting to wonder if Vivian is a catfish or a burner account for another Lakers personality named Josh Toussaint. Okay? Okay. So it was a tweet went viral that this vivian was reported to be missing she has cancer and she was it was following a chemo treatment and it stirred up the entire twitter community even the official lakers twitter account retweeted information about how people could help find her oh no okay okay so uh it came out later like 12 hours later that she had been found she was safe okay but now people are starting to ask some questions after taking a closer look all of her pictures have clearly been photoshopped and uh the previous like profiles pictures that she had in the past are not the same person like they change each time and so like i said people think it's this josh Toussaint guy who is also another lakers personality he has a he has a podcast about lakers basketball but he's the one that retweeted or he's the one that tweeted the information about how people could help find her and that she was missing so following all this stuff josh went live on twitter uh, to prove that he was a real person and he that he is who he said he was and people are asking Vivian to do the same, and no response. Mm. Josh says that he has proof to show that Vivian is real, and it's not him, <laughs> but he won't share it, weirdly enough. Uh, he tweeted that he feels deceived because he thought that she was a friend in need, and he was trying to help. They have tons of Twitter interactions together. Okay, now just when you thought this story couldn't get any more stupid, or just when you thought it couldn't get any worse for the guy, they have a podcast together. Only three episodes, but a podcast nonetheless. This guy and this girl who may or may not exist. Yeah. Okay. So who? So okay. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> no, go I'm ahead. In, I'm invested. I was. Who have the? Have you listened to this podcast? What is there a woman speaking in the podcast? It is a woman's voice. Okay. Um, but it it doesn't sound like it sounds like a really like grainy quality. Like it doesn't sound good. Um, and people are thinking that it's a like what, filtered like, like voice, a voice you know? modulator or they are yeah you so voice? so the people are asking this josh guy like well what was it like recording with her and she's like well i'd send the link uh and then it would, she would say it was taking a really long time for her to prepare and and the recording always took a long time and i can just imagine trying to record your own voice and then leave enough like time of dead air to get in what you're gonna say <laughs> as your alternate personality yeah i can only imagine editing nightmare for sure for sure um but no one believes that vivian's real and since Josh was the guy that spread the, you know, how to find her, some people think that it blew up too quickly, and that's why Josh found her as soon as as he uh, did. People think he's pushing his podcast, like, oh, look, this missing girl 
has cancer and now she's found. But check out her podcast. Anyway, to get the bottom of this, none of this matters at all. Uh, and if Josh went to lengths for years to keep this other Twitter account active while also running a pretty successful one for himself, good for him. Uh, but if he started a police investigation about a missing person that doesn't <laughs> exist, that's how you know you bottomed out. You were spiraling yeah, out of control, my too friend. Far. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that is hilarious. Uh, you should, yeah. Just uh, Vivian was trending all night last night, okay. all day today. Okay. Uh, check it out; it's it's wild. I want, I'm I'm assuming I'm sure master of burner accounts himself and avid tweeter Kevin Durant. Has he? Has he? He is involved. In Oddly enough, oh Robbie, god, thank I, god. Okay, well, do you know? Do you know the story? I, I can't remember what it was, but one of the headlines is. Uh, like all that information, and then at the end it's like, and yes, Kevin Durant is somehow involved. <laughs> Good. Okay, we we should have come with the update next week because this is a I great love story. It. We're gonna do some. We're gonna do some more diving, deep Good. diving. Yeah, yeah. Twitter sleuth. Okay, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay, that's all I got. Good. All right. I think we're good, right? Good ep. Yeah. Uh, so are we gonna are we gonna commit to what we're gonna talk about next week? This week unprecedented yeah we want to talk about the I warriors unless something drastically changes or something the warriors will be you'll hear the word warriors yes. next week yes yeah lock that in you'll probably hear some steph curry talk good all right this is a good one okay yeah logan martin place out bud i guess it's back your dirty stl derby i'm not magic to kareem man you tell me i ain't worthy i speak about georgia i'm speaking about income did you hear that elizabeth I want my ass with your advance to the toilet to flush it. My last dance be a stance of general custard. I hot dog cause I can, I got cheese and mustard. I got the stats of a Hall of Famer and just two records. That's why I'm back up at the Super Bowl with Julius Peppers. I got that can't stop, won't stop in my veins. That's why they can't stop, won't stop screaming my name. Logan, Logan, go tell your friends to tell your friends. I'ma keep the same grin whether I lose or win.
work it. It's hard work, pays off, then easy work is worthless. My work habit ain't no heaven, man. I do it on purpose. I push myself to the limits of my talent full surface. So now it's curtains and trades on anybody who hates. Disliking what I'm reciting, biting what I've been writing. I've been dog biting, scratching, and clawing on every hate. Trying to make you remember me like you remember the times. Cause I'm a warrior. My daddy was a soldier. I Vietnam vent with a dirty thought. I told ya. I'm supposed to rip up your town in Teriosis. Hitting like vultures, man. I'm young, white, and rich. As good as it gets. And giving your point guard fierce. He thinks he's done seeing pressure, man. But he ain't seen. Shh. Ain't no way they can know. Ain't no way they can know. Ain't no way they can know. I'm a champion, 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 I'